Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Monday edition of the pod, continuing our all-decade series. This was also really interesting to get into, and I think we're going to have some fun philosophical disagreements on our top five MVP of the decade, and then also our all-decade all-NBA teams as well. So, Danny, can you describe what your philosophy was your criteria in picking this sure I, I think we should start with the with the kind of the all nba teams and that will set the parameters for then who we include because i assume everybody that we talk about in the all nba will be in the all in the top five that would be i think the the more coherent cohesive way of doing it so for me I, I mean it was a really challenging balance between peak and longevity but i would say longevity of peak is also really important so somebody who was amazing for one year, let's say Giannis is a really good example here, you know, justified MVP in the final year of this, but he didn't play at all in a lot of this decade and wasn't that same type of player. So, you know, I considered that obviously. And I also valued playoff contributions, not only the the raw counting stats, but also did you swing series? Like was your presence, were you the best player? So for example, like, yeah, Kevin Love won a championship, but that doesn't get weighted nearly as heavily as his teammate LeBron James being so much more instrumental in that same championship the other thing that I will add to is I put a premium and this is something that Ben Taylor has talked about a lot in his historical research uh, Kevin Pelton has talked about in his historical research that we've talked about of the goal of basketball is to win a championship and so I think that had a couple of effects on the way I did things number one I valued a really high peak right if you are a top five player in the NBA if you're a top one player in the NBA that means to me that your team has a pretty darn good chance of winning the championship that year and so I I think Ben's research has shown this KP's research has shown this that a top five type of season in terms of your odds of winning a championship on a random team that really means so much more than a top 10 a top 15 type of season in a given year and so if you have a, a player who maybe only had four years where he was a top five player in the league but then just didn't give much value other than that i still might value that over say your guy who was lower end all-star every year of the decade and another aspect of, of that to me is i put more of a premium on the guys at the lower end 
who could fit in whether that's guys who maybe had a pretty high peak but then also when they weren't at an all nba type of level were still able to contribute to really good winning basketball say Kawhi leonard right his first three years or so he's not a star but he's still able to really contribute at a high level doing things as a three and d player that are going to help you win a championship whereas say russell westbrook still on one of my teams but just by contrast when he's at his absolute best yes i think he can help you win a championship but as soon as he drops off just a little bit now he's using so much of the ball he's not a good defender you're not going to win a championship with him at kind of his lower end level well and something else that i thought was really important is the I, i usually say the his presence alone test which is especially for offense i would say did having that person on your team mean that you were going to have a really good offense? And that is incredibly valuable because if they need to be a complimentary player, then you have to find that guy. So if if it's LeBron or Steph Curry or James Harden, you know, that that is a huge value add. If you can give them the keys and they can take you on one end of the floor where you want to go. And it ended up being more on the offensive end than the defensive end because a lot of the defenders who were that guy for a period of time were not close in the the rest of the decade like i think that that we'll get into this in the center conversation which i assume will be later in this podcast but that was something that i noticed was that there were offensive players who were dominant for maybe not the whole decade but a whole lot longer than the defensive guys and some of that's just arbitrary endpoint type stuff yeah so again i think you have a lot of players who you know maybe were able to get their team to a 45 50 win type of level as the best player on that team and did it for a long part of the decade and i discounted those sorts of players a little bit especially at the bottom end once we get down into the third team i think this will become particularly apparent for me with the guys who can scale and really be a part of a championship group even if perhaps uh, they're not as useful to get you to you know your 45 wins let's make the playoffs as your best player type of guy yeah i I think that's a a really good calibrator to have in this and it's something that you and i talk about in the all nba conversation as well of course all right so let's get started here with and i think the way to do this is by position agreed let's start with the centers i think that's a really interesting one i had a very clear obvious choice as my first team all decade center and that was anthony davis so that's interesting i did not consider anthony davis as a center because he didn't play most of the decade as a center and a lot of times his best minutes were not at center i put him and that actually was really bad for anthony davis because davis was better than all of the centers but was not better than all of the forwards so that's fine if you're going to classify him that way but i did the same thing i did for anthony davis in the all nba conversation that we did for the awards column which was his best minutes i mean especially the time in in new orleans when they had to put centers remember they traded a first round pick for omar ashik to play next to him and i I yeah if he's gonna agitate that hey i don't want to play center uh maybe yeah, and, maybe and, you and, shouldn't and there's if he and see, and himself here's a center. here's why I, I i respect what you did even though i i disagree with it and did something different is that i am generally of the sort and did this on the all nba ballots where you want to reward the best players and so by that virtue having davis on the first team center which he would be for me if i had put him there and i thought about it long and hard is that 
Anthony Davis was better than all the centers. So does having him first team center is the quote unquote injustice of having him at a sort of wrong position, larger or smaller than having him on a second or third team when he was better than all the other guys. And so I, I think your logic is fair. I ended up in that sort of case just because his the disparity was so pronounced with him. I ended up putting him in the forward line. But I'm very interested then because you then avoided the challenge that I had of figuring out your first team center because I was torn in a couple different directions. Yeah, well, let me just talk a little bit about AD. Do you agree with me that AD, I mean, number one, I think he would be an awesome center. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, now, I mean, I, I yeah. thought I thought long and hard about it. And if he had been a center yeah. for me, he would have been number one. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's the question that I was asking. Um, and just very clearly better in the regular season compared to the rest of these bigs, 27 PR, 2.4 points higher than anyone else. Other than Dwight Howard and LaMarcus, of the players who realistically could have been in this discussion, his 16,000 minutes is not that much lower. And you might say, well, hey, we're talking about the playoffs here. He didn't have much playoff value. Yeah, he only made the playoffs twice in his time with New Orleans. But, uh, oh, yeah, he averaged 30 points a game. <laughs> and on really good well, efficiency. And, and in the series they won, he was dominant. And I thought he played really well in that first series when they lost to the Warriors as well. They, they just didn't have enough. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis, granted, only 530 minutes in the playoffs. But second highest, I'm sorry, third highest true shooting and highest points per game in the playoffs of any player that I considered at any position here. So I think it's very clear to me that with the different teams around him, he very easily could have excelled. He's got a lot of defensive versatility. He scales because he can roll or pop and he can switch he can play conventional pick and roll defense so i i think he would have fit in really well in a lot of situations just just more versatility overall than a lot of these guys so yeah i want to hear who your first team center was i'm guessing since you didn't have ad as a center my second team center might not even be the guy that you're going to go with as your first team center because he's he's kind of forwardy too but, i'm guessing uh, we're talking about have? the same guy which is al horford and no no, no not it's, al horford who but, is it but, then uh chris bosh interesting so bosh yeah bosh is i had him as a forward as well um so and and there will be a conversation about chris bosh yeah so i actually went when and it's funny that you mentioned that because al horford is another one who didn't think of himself as a center for a long time but for me horford's center resume is is robust enough that i didn't even have any qualms about putting yeah. him there yeah i mean and, in his atlanta days exactly he played center basically the entire decade and and really in in boston most of the way he was the center too yeah so so, so horford to me he it, it was so what i was torn between horford and mark gasol and gasol you know won a defensive player of the year had some really nice seasons as a part of the grit and grind era and you know gasol had the he had a, a some injury plagued stuff at, at moments in time but he had a, a relatively strong decade i'd forgotten just his overall body of work and, and something else i really liked about horford and gasol my first and second team is that and this comes up at other ones while while i prioritized peak over longevity i did like that they had a productive decade overall you know that it wasn't five years and then they were just holding on for the rest of it i did really enjoy that for both of their resumes and horford wonderful defensive player we talked about this a little bit in the defensive player of the decade earlier in the week and huge on that end but also to me a more you know gasol wonderful passer you know brings a lot of strengths to the table but 
Horford being a thoroughly modern big, first of all, that that makes him more versatile, and I, I really like that offensively for him. And I thought Horford was more versatile defensively. And while Gasol benefited from a less versatile time, you know, early in the decade, the grit and grind era for the Grizzlies, they didn't need the things that Gasol didn't have. So that isn't as much of a thing, but that was a plus for me with Horford. And if you want to call it a tiebreaker, I think you can call it a tiebreaker. Horford really sucked in the playoffs until he got to Boston. True, and, but and, the, and even and even his first year in Boston, it, I didn't think he had a, a particularly good playoffs. Um, the three point shooting, you know, didn't really come around until the latter part of the decade. I mean, that's true for a lot of guys. Basha is the same. Um, to me, it's just good. Chris Basha's did just about everything that Horford did, but at a much much better level and a much better individual score. Uh, uh, I think Bosch was better defensively than Horford at least in the early part of the decade Horford really came into his own as a defender really in the second half of the decade I think more so and yeah Bosch was essentially done he only played about six seasons uh, with the the clotting issue that he had but I think because of his scalability because he's at a level that I think is higher than just about anyone else on this list when he's out there because he did deliver in the playoffs for that Miami team I went with him this is a one of my just philosophy of peak over longevity I think this is a perfect encapsulation of that um I, I realized you so if you had had Bosch as a center would you put him over Horford or just didn't play enough for you <sighs> I don't think I would have put him over Horford because they, to me, the overall body of work in terms of like the, if you're scaling it, you know, best year going forward, I think Bosch is pretty close, maybe a little bit higher, but Horford, you know, having 10 years is important over six. And and he, Horford was helping his team win games, helping his team get closer, even though they didn't yeah. win championships. I mean, Horford did miss basically a full season due to pectoral issues. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Bosch, yeah, yeah. if so, I had, so, if I considered so him as a center, if I considered Bosch as a center, he absolutely would have been on my three teams. I didn't really consider him too heavily there. I was looking back at his position splits on cleaning the glass, and it was closer than I thought it was. That was more, that wasn't one where I dug into it as much as AD because I knew with AD what the choice was. But with so I, I probably I'm guessing I would have gone Horford, probably Horford Gasol Bosch, but it would have been close. I mean, the, the the he would have absolutely been in those top three, and I would have needed to do some more soul searching than I did. Yeah, Bosch played about fifteen thousand minutes. Horford played twenty one thousand in the decade. Uh, and I think also, I mean, forget too that Chris Bosch you know, was averaging 24 points a game for that Toronto team that was a top five offense before he even moved to Miami. I think he, he certainly got more championship equity, but as an individual score, I think we kind of forget how good he was and could be because he was oftentimes their third option there in Miami. Um, well, so I'm going to be interested because yeah. you're going to have a lot more forwards on your ballot than I do. Um, I get ran into something that you will not have to because of Chris Bosch. So, well, actually, before I get into that, who did you have 13? Dwight Howard. Yeah, Dwight is. I mean that that's the the fits your fits your overall mentality. And I had Dwight as my third team center, incidentally as well. So for me, again, the the body of work thing, and and also I, I don't know. I, I had this challenge. I didn't really put Bosch in this category, as I said. But there's an interesting question with Bosch versus Dwight in the context that Bosch retiring medically, of course, made it so that he didn't have the down years that Dwight did. And I wonder how. I don't know how you considered that, or or if you did. But that there is something to be said for. You know, Bosch having basically 
having a prettier end of his career in terms of not having those, you know, the lean years. Yeah, but I think he would have aged to better. Oh, agree. Than to but me. but but you can't give Bosch credit for that. I mean, you can't give no, credit. No, credit you for can't. Uh, but but I mean to say that like he gets credit for not playing at all. I don't I don't know that that's necessarily fair. I, I mean, now if you get to the point where you're actively hurting the team, I think Dwight did have a season or two like that. Yeah, and that that's end. part of what pushed him below Gasol and, and Horford yeah. for me. And and that's part of why I didn't have Kobe in there either. I mean, Kobe Correct. had three really high level seasons but then he had four seasons or i guess it was really two at the end and then he missed he basically he missed, missed two full seasons had two at the end where he was absolutely killing his team and then just didn't play for three seasons at well the and end. Th- they'll um, come up for me with Dirk yeah, i mean as well. dwight versus gasol is an interesting one um but i think dwight was just at such a high level early on and then really through 14 15 he did miss the 2012 playoffs with the back injury uh but 13 14 he was at a really high level had a very nice playoffs in 13 14 despite the, the fact that they lost and then 14 15 he uh, really was playing at a high level and then suffered uh, an mcl injury late in those playoffs uh that is an injury that's not really talked about very much um in that warriors series but he was playing at a really high level defensively those first two years in houston and then after that it was kind of uh pretty much curtains for him uh, um, so a couple yeah. other guys i wanted to mention i also sure. had more centers on my ballot uh so my last choice was between Dwight and then the other two had in different cases and interesting ones. Pau Gasol had a nice decade overall, but yeah. He he's this kind. Of, this is kind of the counterpoint of the Dwight thing, where Dwight has the negatives of those last couple of years where where he was there. Powell had some really good years that don't count in this because they occurred before 2009-2010. and so I had yeah, to it, I had to square that. You know, like yeah, he was a part of a championship team during this decade, and you know he he aged he aged better than I expected to be completely honest. But why he was behind Dwight was th- he didn't have that same. Th- his peak was great, but a lot of his peak was not in this decade yeah i I didn't seriously consider him i I mean i think really by the 2012 he was really done as as a really high level of player yeah and it was Um, weird like he made two all-star games with the bulls after that but that's why i don't use that's why i don't use all-star games as calibrators here yeah i mean i think he even made like second team all nba in 14 15 which was preposterous that was absolutely and and then the other one who deserves honorable mention i didn't consider him over dwight largely because of the same idea with peak is i had forgotten just how much longevity deandre jordan had this decade you know he he his first rookie year does not count he i believe he was drafted in 08 but starting center basically that entire time really the big dip was in the final season and you know last year with the mavs and the knicks that wasn't exactly an illustrious campaign but why he isn't there is because he was never despite what doc rivers said at various moments in time he was never a dominant defensive player and while his role gravity was spectacular as a more dependent player i thought that jordan was put in the perfect circumstance to kind of juice his offensive numbers maybe not in terms of usage but in terms of efficiency and he was you know this is kind of the idea that's actually came up a little bit uh ben taylor on ben taylor's twitter on on tuesday about just because a guy has the highest shooting percentage doesn't mean he's the best scorer and so for dwight or sorry for deandre to me he he has a good resume and that's why i wanted to acknowledge it but it's not the same kind of resume and the same strength of resume as somebody like dwight yeah i i I wouldn't even go that far again with with him and gasol um i think it's worth noting i mean deandre didn't he have a first team all nba selection i believe so yes i mean like right around like 13 14 15 the center position was really really down um my also receiving votes at center tim duncan yep he was on mine as well yeah i mean even 
with the fact that he was basically 40 and retired in 2016 still had the third highest per for the decade among all-star centers with carl anthony towns davis and uh, demarcus uh, being ahead of him and obviously was a very very good defensive player wasn't at a point really in this decade where he could be a primary offensive option although every now and again he would flash back in those later spurs years but certainly was an outstanding outstanding defensive player so he would have been my toughest omission and i just felt that dwight had a higher peak than him and basically they kind of played the same number of seasons at any kind of a level where you'd be influencing championships this decade um that's about and i guess lamarcus aldridge would have to be the other one but another guy who i think just wasn't quite efficient enough overall not quite a good enough defender another one of these doesn't want to play center guys for a lot of the decade uh but didn't quite have the defensive impact of some of these guys and a guy who could kill bad defense but wasn't amazing against good defense and that's what you're gonna face late in the playoffs so i mean i think if you want to talk about the longevity he comes to mind there to me for sure i mean he played 25,000 minutes that's the most of any uh center who made the all-star team this decade um but Lamarcus in the playoffs doesn't have that great of a resume only 51 percent true shooting in the playoffs uh, not very good all right anything else on centers or can i tell you guys about helix sleep now i know that's what we're all really waiting for it really is let's do it so helix sleep the second longest tenured sponsor of the dunked on basketball nba podcast i reached out to them around december of 2015 the pod had been going for uh, about six months and around that time there was another mattress company that had started doing a ton of ads on podcasts and we actually ordered from that company and as it turned out their one size fits all approach it did not work for me and my then girlfriend now wife so she arranged for the return of that mattress and did some research on another one that might work better and she found helix sleep and i loved the concept hey this is actually a mattress that is made based on this two minute sleep quiz it matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you side sleeper hot sleeper plush bed firm bed helix sleep can take care of you they'll even split the mattress down the middle for you and your significant other even if it's your insignificant other they'll still do it for you they have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for a hundred nights risk-free but because it's made for you you're not going to need to return it on the odd chance you do they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it they're also awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2019 by both gq and wired magazine but i can say i knew them way back before they got famous Go to helixsleep.com slash capspace, take that two-minute sleep quiz, and they're offering up to $125 off of all mattress orders at that helixsleep.com slash capspace URL. Once more, get up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Don't forget the slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Couple other notes on that center discussion. Carl Anthony Towns, not good enough defensively for most of this decade, only played four seasons 16 through 19 joel Embiid didn't really produce in the playoffs really only had two seasons two full seasons that he played and another one was 700 minutes so if you if those guys had played full decades and they had more extensive playoff resumes you know on a and both of those those guys got started really early in their careers as far as high level of play but just not enough of a resume not enough of a playoff resume to get into this discussion even if perhaps they're playing at a higher level than a 
anyone we're talking about here uh except ad and like very early decade howard so guards or forwards next uh let's let's do forwards partially because we can i think we can get through at least the first part a little bit more quickly the i had a tier one of one guy and that's lebron james to me he is the unquestioned player of the decade and while there are other people who have wonderful resumes this is this is LeBron's decade. I mean, we got into that in terms of player performances. We'll do a lot of other categories in this. He a couple of stats on LeBron. Leader in PER for the decade. Anthony Davis is actually number two. That'll come up later. Yeah. Um, leader in playoff PER for the decade. Leader in playoff PER. Leader in minutes played for both the regular season and the playoffs. Leader in points. I believe in both, but I, I know for regular season. Fourth in assists and he had a, a really nice defensive peak. wasn't certainly uniform, but he. T- I, I don't. I, there, there are other forwards who had wonderful decades. I don't think anybody comes particularly close. Yeah, and then you throw in that he was even better in the playoffs. Yeah, as recently as 2018 when he was the playoff MVP. Yeah, and it really when in the playoffs, it really wasn't until 16, 17 that he suffered a drop off defensively. He was a really high level defensive player in the playoffs uh, early on this decade. So yeah, n- no arguments there. I mean, he's going to be uh, when we do the MVP, he's going to be the MVP clearly. Now, Kevin Durant, pretty clearly on that other forward spot. This is what I want to get into. And for you, it's interesting yeah. is the how, because your rubric is slightly different from mine. I'm yeah. guessing based on mine, the Durant Kawhi distinction was actually larger than yours because Durant's overall body of work, especially at the beginning of the decade, is different than Kawhi's. Yeah. And I think Kawhi, 2019, 2014, uh, although he still wasn't the primary scorer at that point, uh, those first three years. He, uh, 2015, I thought he had a disappointing playoffs but 16 and 17 he was ridiculous uh, really sad that he got hurt in uh, that 17 playoffs against the Warriors but that is a demerit you know Saza Pachulia dirty play aside uh that was value that was not delivered missed all of 18 so on a per play basis I mean he has the highest true shooting of any all-star 62 percent true shooting but only 23 usage because again he was playing a more dependent role early on Certainly showed in the 17 and 19 playoffs how much he could dominate and provided more defensively than KD as well. But And KD did play a lot more playoff minutes than him, about 50% more playoff minutes during the regular season. Again, I mean, KD was already scoring 30 points a game at the start of this decade for two whole years before Kawhi even was in the league. And then that first year, he had 14% usage. He wasn't a... Again, I could say this a bunch of times because he was that 14 playoffs or, or finals MVP. I think there's uh, people need to remember that even at that point, you know, he was not the main engine or even close to it well, and, of that Spurs offense. And to go back to Durant, I went back and I thought it was useful for some of these top tier guys to look at the MVP voting. And not that I'm saying, considering we do our own bouts, especially now, that MVP voting is gospel. I had forgotten that Kevin Durant finished second three times in this decade before he won in 13-14. So that just speaks to how dominant Durant was at the beginning of this decade. Remember that while Kawhi has two finals MVPs, 
Durant has a regular season MVP, a deserved regular season MVP. And I think that's a that's a, a, a really important thing, especially if we agree with who won it, which in that case we most certainly do. And it's a, a huge component of value and, and what he did for that Thunder team. And so, yeah, I, I went, I had Durant at, in a separate tier from Kawhi, but then I also had Kawhi in a separate tier. So he's the top of my second team guys, but I had him in a second tier. And this is where things are getting interesting for, for you, because to me, my next guy was Anthony Davis, but you don't have Anthony Davis available because he was your first team center. So, so you had Kawhi on the second team? Kawhi and AD, they were my second team. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. My second team forward, my second second team forward was Paul George. And I, I'm not sure whether I would have had him over AD. George did miss a full season uh, and 11-12 was his rookie year. I'm sorry. No, that's totally wrong. Uh, 10-11 was his rookie year. Started to really come onto the scene in the 12 playoffs. Then by the 13 playoffs, he was clearly the best player for the Pacers. 14, he was uh, in the MVP conversation early. 18-19 with the Thunder, he was awesome. Other than, uh, and he also raised his game in the playoffs in most of this decade. Uh, had a disappointing 18 playoffs, I would say. Um, and then 19, he had the shoulder issue, but was still pretty decent in the playoffs as well. Provides a lot of defensive value. Provides a lot of scale also, where he can, even when he wasn't at his best, he could, could still contribute as a shooter and defender. And he's not going to be the number one option on a championship team. AD, frankly, is probably not going to be that offensively. So, yeah, this is a tough call. I mean, AD had times where he missed time also. I think I probably would still go with Paul George over AD, if only because he just, we saw him do it more in the playoffs against the best guys. I realized AD was hamstrung because he wasn't getting there, but nonetheless, George did deliver more actual value. Uh, in the playoffs and i think that that can be used as a tiebreaker i do think it's very very close between those two players and clearly ad to me at his best is better well george last year before he got hurt was really high but that to me was over his head so to me ad at his best is better than paul george at his best but i I thought george is a little bit more comprehensive of a resume than davis so it's interesting that you mentioned paul george because paul george i had him below ad but he i had him in the same tier and there's a name that you didn't mention in that conversation that i had in mind and that was Blake Griffin and I was I was interested in in that because and it is some of that is you know overall body work I mean versus versus peak but for me separating out those two guys and then I had a third in Chris Bosh because Chris Bosh was a forward for me not a center and that was I had to pick two of those three to be on my third team forwards and basically had a conniption fit. Well, you also didn't mention two other names, uh, and those are actually two that I have on my third team. Okay, Dirk Nowitzki and Draymond Green. Yeah, Dirk. Dirk was interesting. I mean, I, for I mean, 20, 2010, 11, and nine ten, he was phenomenal. Yeah, nine ten. I mean, let me give you his playoff stats from nine ten, and obviously we know twenty eleven. He was uh, the MVP of the playoffs, and that's uh, obviously to have been the driving force on a championship that gives you a lot of value. Yeah, 9-10, 64% true shooting, 28.3 PER. Granted, they it was a six-game loss to, I think it was the Spurs that year. Um, yeah, then the next year was unbelievable. After that, really was not relevant any longer in the playoffs. They missed it a year. And really, after 
10-11 and the lockout, he was not the same player, but he still was a guy up until probably the end of the 14-15 season who was making you a good offense on his own. Now you can make the argument that by a couple years into this decade, he was bad enough defensively that you couldn't have won a championship with him as one of your main players. So I'm very sensitive to that. But to me, he had the highest peak here of anyone that we've been talking about, even really including AD. And so that's that's why I went with him to acknowledge the, his championship and still really high level of play. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have won a championship with his defensive deficiencies, but he was going to get you into the playoffs every year. And if you had some other pieces around him, you might have been a, a contender as well. So um, I'm guessing that you just felt like after those first two years, he dropped off too much to really be considered. I considered him. I actually had him in this tier, but I had him below yeah. because the I mean and his, the top end stuff is, is, is important to consider. I should mention the other guys that I had in this conversation conversation lamarcus you brought him up in the center position i had him in the forward call he didn't make make that for me and then a little bit lower but still in this paul Millsap, another strong decade was a part of some some nice teams a huge defensive value at various moments in it and then there were two guys that i wanted to discuss i didn't I never really decided whether they were in this tier or in a tier below, but whose contributions should definitely be acknowledged, and that's Andre Iguodala and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, J- Iguodala, to me, just didn't have a high enough offensive peak, and I think ultimately on those Warriors teams that he, perhaps like Green, might have ended up as an offensive liability on a differently structured team. Uh, just the, the incredible fit of those Warriors teams has to be acknowledged. Um Jimmy Butler, I'm a little bit more in agreement of, didn't really come into his own until the 12-13 season, but then played at an all-star level from 14-15 on. So basically the last five years of the, of the decade was an all-star. Not quite as scalable as you'd hope. Certainly the defense is that, but his spot-up shooting never really came around. He wanted to have the ball in his hands and he wasn't quite good enough as the main option to me to really be driving a lot. So I think he deserves honorable mention, but I wouldn't have him in the discussion with some of these other guys necessarily. Oh, I just realized that's going through my notes. We haven't talked about Kevin Love yet. Yeah, uh, just too bad defensively for me to really... Uh, and, and it's funny, my thinking on this has certainly evolved. I mean, back in the 13-14 season when I first did top 10 players in the NBA, and that, that season was an odd season. It was really kind of a transition point. But I had him as the clear fourth best player in the NBA, and he wasn't killing their defense from a statistical standpoint back then. They The Wolves had a really tough point of entry. He's averaging 25 and 12. But I think as you really go back at it, yeah, I know the Cavs won a championship almost in spite of him in those 2016 finals and it's just too bad defensively to me to really be in this conversation also had some health issues i think he missed most of 12 13 for example missed a, a lot of time in other seasons couldn't play that many minutes uh so the, the kind of lower end all-star but who just never had a high enough peak especially defensively to be in that with you know i mean i think on a love it a lot of teams for example love would be better than Millsap, but i think i would rather have Millsap if you're trying to win a championship and, and that's similar logic to how i ended up with um so my final guys were paul george and chris bosh over blake griffin and griffin i mean beyond having one of the best rookie seasons something we've previously discussed in one of these all decade features had a really strong decade but his limitations defensively were were an issue at various moments in time and that was way more of a 
strength for Bosch and George, of course. And Griffin was a different kind of offensive player for most of it. I, I don't think he was good enough to be the engine behind a really successful offense most of the decade. He was playing with other great players and really did benefit. It was an important part of the Clippers' success. But for me, I ended up putting him narrow, narrow, narrowly behind the other two. Yeah, Griffin is hurt by not playing that many minutes. Uh, remember, he missed all of 9-10 with the injury. Had a, a run where from 15-16 to 17-18, three years where he never played more than 60 games. There were maybe, I would say, three years where he was just like an absolute force. I mean, he was third in MVP voting in 14-15. There were some who thought he was the best player on the Clippers. That was incorrect. That was Chris Paul. But especially early in the decade, I didn't think he scaled well enough, well enough with his lack of shooting at the power forward position he could pass it you mentioned his defense was you know probably passable at best throughout most of the decade and so uh, i think that ultimately just wasn't at quite high enough of a level to me Uh, he was my toughest omission i will say that but i thought uh, comparing him to dirk maybe you could say griffin had a little bit more overall value but i think Dirk had more championship value. And when you really look at how short Griffin's peak was in terms of both availability and really, you know, top 10, top five type of level of play, it's not really any longer than Dirk's was. Yeah, I don't really have much to add there. And Griffin Griffin was my toughest omission too. Yeah, so I had Dirk and Draymond on my third team. And this again with Draymond comes into where it's kind of an issue of the scalability. Well, and that's why I didn't have him on is that I thought Draymond was a benefit of circumstance. I mean, he made the yeah. most of it, but if you put him on a team with with weaker offensive players, then yeah, his de- defensive value was immense and he was, you know, I picked him as the defensive player of the decade for a reason. But his limitations as a shooter, his, you know, every, everything else would have come to the fore, but because he got to yeah. play with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and for some of the dra- decade Kevin Durant, it made it made those foibles okay. And yeah, but, I don't think it's fair to put him at give center. Him- if you put him at center on an average team, then maybe you can get past some of those some of those issues. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah. but you have to have switching personnel. But I mean, that is right, the way the right. league is going. Yeah, I, I mean, the value of putting him at center if you can't switch at the one and the two is a lot lower. So yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, he had so much playoff value though, and was just True. so good defensively. Yeah, I can. I seriously considered him. I mean, I just to me yeah. that the the lack of versatility was a, was a pretty big weakness. I mean, you compare him with let's say Paul George. I mean. Paul George could succeed in a yeah. variety. Of well, I had George above him. Yeah, that's true. So, but I, uh, I and I did as well. But it was you well, know that. So, so you would have had where? Who would you have had Green? Would you have had him above any of the people we're talking about? Yeah, I, I, so I, I would have had him over. Like for me, Draymond over Aldridge and Love and Dirk. Millsap's a tough call. But yeah, I would have had him over Millsap too. So three, he would have been kind of. I, I don't know if I would have. Once you, once I decided neither of them was on my third team, Blake and Draymond were probably my toughest calls there. So yeah, that's about where he would have been. Do we want to even talk about Giannis, or was it just too small a sample? Because I mean, based on your logic, I mean, he was the he was the MVP of the league last year, and was you know was quite good right immediately before that but you know it is a small yeah i I mean he really only had two high level a year 
years, you know, 17, 18, and 18, 19. And yeah, he was the MVP. He was awesome the year before that too. Uh, and was really good in the playoffs that year uh, in that seven game loss to, to Boston. But yeah, I think that was just a little bit too short to me compared to Dirk where, you know, Dirk had all-star level, of se- you know, maybe three or four all-star level of seasons beyond that two season peak at the start of the decade where Giannis just c- couldn't quite say that. But yeah, certainly, I mean, if you just took his peak is probably, you know, he would be be just below Kawhi. I mean, he'd be on the second team probably if you're basing it on his peak. Um, So yeah, I mean, certainly what he's doing needs to be acknowledged. I mean, he's probably going to end up I and mean, we'll see how well he ages, but he could be one of these guys who just straddles the decade. Well, I, so you were talking about how you think Luca is the is the front runner for player of the decade for the 2020s. I might actually Giannis is young enough that I think there's an argument to be made that it's him because the defensive yeah. value is just so transformative. Right, but I, I'm I'm very curious to see how he's going to age too. I mean, Giannis at 31 with no jumper that that could not be that amazing we'll see um but that's getting a little bit far afield here so just to run through it first team for me lebron james kevin durant second team Kawhi Leonard, paul george third team dirk Nowitzki, draymond green honorable mention blake griffin paul Millsap, jimmy butler uh and for you same first team lebron and, and kd second team Kawhi and anthony davis third team paul george chris bosh well first team if you want to learn to play music and do it in a more affordable way is musician like musician but it's you musician is an online music education platform that is rethinking the way that people learn music you download the app desktop tablet phone and you start playing and you might say okay that's great they, they've got these lessons and that's all well and good but how do i know if i'm actually doing it right don't you need a live person to do that au contraire their award-winning technology actually listens to you play and gives real-time feedback on your timing and accuracy. You can learn to play your favorite songs faster than ever and have fun doing it. They've got thousands of popular songs that you can learn to play. Expertly crafted lessons and exercises across dozens of genres. You learn music theory, sheet reading, tablature. And compared to the private lessons, Musician is more affordable and lets you learn on your own schedule. So if you've been wanting to learn an instrument or you simply want some help getting back to playing, check out Musician. You can get an extended 14-day free trial of their premium plus package at musician.com slash capspace. Unlimited lessons, unlimited songs on as many instruments as you want for two weeks for a free trial. That's musician.com slash capspace like musician but it's you y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n musician.com slash cap space don't forget the slash cap space you're all to let them know that you came from us okay the guard line you mentioned that you did it in tiers if i were going to do that i would have stephen curry clearly number one at the guard position yeah i had a little bit of a challenge on whether to put james harden in the same tier harden a spectacular player in his own right one-time mvp three-time runner-up including to stephen curry the first time around Kawhi, i'd forgot i had actually forgotten that Kawhi was the mvp to steph the unanimous year um granted steph got every single vote but curry especially by your criteria but i would say overall just definitive offensive player also so much more versatility you know like the the ability to be a catch and shoot guy and to be as dominant offensively and that he wasn't maximized as aggressively for especially for counting stats purposes as harden 
you know, it's it's not like that hurt the Warriors' offense necessarily. It just it hurt his counting stats. So, yeah, I, I I think you could make a I think you could make an argument. I'd be interested if you want to do this, though. I'm not sure it's worth an extended conversation about whether he or Curry are in the same tier. But yeah, to me, those are the, that that's what the question would be. Yeah, I think Curry experienced a little bit of a drop off in the playoffs, perhaps due to injury. But despite that, second highest true shooting of anyone this decade in the playoffs played the fifth most number of minutes in the playoffs of anyone and two two of the four guys above him were his teammates clay thompson and draymond green harden definitely did experience a drop off i think harden is a bigger liability than curry defensively so i i don't think it's particularly close between those two guys especially when you consider the playoff performance both of them did see declines in the playoffs steph did suffer some injuries which has to be part of his resume that you know if you're going into a season with him you don't know if he's going to be healthy throughout the season and in the playoffs but i think he just reached such a higher level than james harden that uh, he's another two to me and in fact danny i did not have james harden on my first team i had chris paul i nearly did that but chris paul ended up in a similar boat to a few other players i've discussed where he had some strong years that were not in this decade and i had kind of in my head been thinking about that the the year that he arguably should have won the mvp for example does not is not in this decade yeah and 0708 yeah and so i originally had that you know so what i did was i kind of put together a list of players and i did a preliminary ranking and then i went through and really toured toward the numbers and for me the the argument for paul is easy i i am a chris paul stan like that is that that should not be a, a part of this but and and the defensive value is an immense difference between these two i mean paul is one of the best defensive point guards in nba history and especially of this decade and while harden is a more dominant scorer and is better right now as an offensive player you can make an easy argument that that Chris Paul's defense makes up for that gap. My argument is that it would not, it does not because offenses for guards more important than defense and the you know his presence alone i mean james harden was the alpha and the omega for some of these ridiculous rockets offenses which even in the supercharged end of this decade were still ridiculous so by any statistical measure chris paul was better than james harden in the playoffs this decade i think chris paul you can argue raised his level of performance in the playoffs whereas james harden clearly went down um now paul had the benefit of starting the decade as a superstar which harden did not but that that helps you i mean harden really three seasons have gone by in this decade before he's at a really high level then 12 13 13 14 really disappointing playoffs for him 14 15 pretty good but also (laughs) you remember that game six that they make the comeback without him in in the playoffs and then that series against the warriors he had some uh, some really rough times um just a, a lot of really bad collapses and yeah paul was part of some collapses too yeah i mean part of two of the worst ones in the decade we talked about this in the doc rivers coaching segment earlier in the week yeah uh but also the rockets had had some pretty bad collapses this decade as well uh that harden was uh, was part of and chris paul you know never had a game like james harden's game six in 2017 against no, he, he had short moment equivalents, but he didn't have a full game. I mean, the the OKC just brain fart at the end of that game was in many ways more catastrophic than Harden's game six. But it's it's that's yeah. that's two moments rather than a whole damn game. Yeah. So but I mean, Paul, higher PR, higher true shooting. 
in the playoffs and obviously as we discussed provides positive rather than negative defensive value uh harden did play more minutes he obviously has stayed healthy through the entire decade that's a big part of his arguments um harden played about four thousand more minutes than paul during the decade and certainly i think you could say by you know maybe 16 17 paul is at a point where he's not able to beat his man one-on-one anymore the way harden could but again you know remember harden had three seasons of not really doing much paul also though had a full season where he just about missed it in 09 10 10 11 he's coming back from injury but he has a, a pretty good playoffs by that point against the lakers they lose in six gets injured in the playoffs in 2012 uh a hamstring issue big surprise there uh misses their four game sweep loss to san antonio 14 15 gets hurt in the playoffs again although uh, you can't say that that's why they lost uh, and he did do it on that bad hamstring 17 18 gets hurt in the playoffs again so it's a really really tough call to me um but i think ultimately the reason i went with paul is the scale is a little bit better to me uh that his defense his ability to shoot off the ball i think a hardens ball dominating he just hardenizes the whole team and you could say that about paul too he likes to really control the ball but i think when he got to houston he showed that he could take a backseat to someone i'm not sure that harden could necessarily do that and so again i i would take arguments either way i mean i think it's uh they both had awesome decades it was just uh the fact maybe that paul started it as a superstar when harden really took three years to get going and hard i mean now if harden had been able to show in a couple of these years that he could play at the same level in the playoffs as he did in the regular season because clearly harden is the bigger regular season peak than paul then i would probably be picking harden but harden when you're really talking about winning a championship and championship equity i don't know that harden is played at a championship level in the playoffs where i think paul has yeah but here's the thing i i I think there's a fair point if you're if you're emphasizing that part of playoff performance but harden won an mvp and was the runner-up three times and was the deserving runner-up all three of those times like chris paul never reached that level and harden was there for four years like to me you you brought up the idea of the importance of peak harden yeah you could say the difference between the regular season playoffs but harden was that guy like i mean that there isn't there isn't really that argument for chris paul that he was the dominant you know those clipper as great as he was on some of those Clipper teams and remember i'm a huge chris paul i'm kind of in a way my heart is hurt that you have him higher than i do but <laughs> the, in the, but and I would say I, I I would rather have you know for his career I would rather probably have Chris Paul than James Harden on the average NBA team. But the decade filter I think that the the endpoints really do shift it for me and Harden being just incredible. Like Harden was better in the end of this decade than Paul was at the beginning, and I think the margin there is severe enough that you and it's more important. The peak is more important than the rest. So for me, that that's what ended up making it. And that's why for me, the choice was more between whether Harden and Curry were in the same tier, though I still was going to pick Curry over Harden versus Harden and Paul. I, I just think, I think it's hard to win a championship with James Harden because of his defensive well, I mean, limitations. It, it, Chris Paul never, Chris Paul never won a championship either. I mean, right, but, but I mean, I, yeah, no, I realize he never won a championship, but like I said, Chris Paul arguably raised his game in, in the playoffs and Harden didn't. And I think just some of the things that you look at with Harden where you see there are aspects of his game that aren't going to scale well, that aren't going to play well at the highest levels where, yeah, Paul did not win a championship, but I don't know that you point to parts of his game that weren't going to work. And in fact, they in large part did work in the playoffs. It's just his teams uh, weren't as good. 
Well, I we can we can I think I think we kind of have our yeah. our points yeah, yeah, made on that. Move. But I what's but what's interesting here is say, I I'm guessing because for me there was a clear margin between number four and everyone else that number for, number four and everyone else. Yeah, so we the top three. So Curry, Harden, Paul. You know, if we had a difference. Okay. And yeah, then but for, but you're saying there's a fourth guy that you have is close to them. Eh, I wouldn't say he's close to them. I have him in a separate tier, but I have him in a separate tier than everybody else too, which okay, is Russell is, Westbrook. I mean, yeah. Westbrook won a regular season MVP, insanely high peak. And yeah, there was a drop off, but to me, there we'll talk about the players that I have in the next year and the guys who. So he gets my second second team spot. But I mean that that's a huge to me a huge argument. I mean, he was the he was the MVP of the league, was a huge force on that OKC team, was a damn good player for a lot of the rest of the decade, played the entire decade, and that's you know it, it's kind of one of the arguments that you've made. But for me, he was separated from another a group of good but not insane applicants for that spot. Yeah, I went with Westbrook as well. I think those OKC teams, while they did not win it, while Westbrook did suffer some pretty big drop-offs in the playoffs, while it seems really he just, no matter what he did, couldn't get above league average in terms of efficiency, at least his own efficiency, but he was part of some very, very good offenses. And yeah, you might say a lot of that was Kevin Durant, but how good did Kevin Durant look in the 2013 playoffs without Russell Westbrook? And not that good. So, uh, and Westbrook, basically that was the only injury that he ever had. And he was also playing at an all-star level. 0-9-10, maybe not, but really a 10-11. He started a little bit earlier than some of the other guys that were going to talk to here. So I agree with you. He would be on my second team. Third team is interesting. And I really, this was probably my hardest struggle. I really had five guys that I looked at very closely for the third team. You want to run through them? I have about the same number, so I'm interested. I, th- and okay. I think a couple of them, based on the differences in our rubric, I think are going to clarify. Yeah, well, and, and I'm still, I, I mean, you might actually convince me to change up here. So here, here are my five. Dwayne Wade. Now, if Wade just had a game, uh, Wade clearly to me had the highest peak of this. He might have had a higher peak even than Westbrook and Harden to me. His 09-10 season, which again, we always forget about 09-10 when we're talking about this, but because it, you know, it's that season, we think of the Heatles as being at the beginning of this decade. And I, I keep forgetting. In fact, I totally screwed up and forgot that Doc Rivers coached the Celtics in a game seven in the first year of this decade when I was talking about him earlier, uh, game seven of the finals. But uh, Wade, then 10 11 he was awesome as well 11 12 he was really good even into 13 he was good and then really it started to fall apart for him when he got that bone bruise during the 27 game winning streak and really was never quite the same after that 13 14 he almost uh, he had turned into really a negative for the heat by that point due to just the lack of fit with lebron their numbers with lebron and wade versus lebron by himself were just much better with lebron by himself and then wade got to the point after that where not only was he not a you know really even an all-star level of player anymore but he was a guy who just would as actively hurt your chances of trying to win a championship because he couldn't shoot he didn't want to try to shoot uh his defense really had fallen off uh, by 13 14 and he still was going to need and want the ball a lot and he wasn't going to be efficient with it so i think he got to the point not nearly as bad as kobe to where he was almost an active negative as far as trying to win a championship after that 12-13 season. 
but that was also you know two years of ridiculously high level play two more years probably of top 10 level of play before the drop-off happened but i can't really give him any credit after that is the problem yeah that was something i ran into with wade wade i will say was my toughest omission and was a really brutal one for me and and tough to have bosh and lebron off on those teams i mean obviously lebron's making it making one of these all teams and not to have wade but the way that he fell off and was a negative and also i mean that it happened partially within within the heat times and that he wasn't scalable once he once he got into the later stage of his career obviously he was before that 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 was a hurt was a challenging thing and he you know in as the game evolved it had kind of evolved past him so yeah that's one he was a, a a tough omission i certainly would understand if you wanted to have him on there and maybe i'm just uh, I, I think the competition at guard here is a little bit higher than it is at ford so that's why dirk was able to get in with kind of a similar resume to wade but also i think dirk kept it going a little bit longer than he did um another one is cal lowry lowry didn't really come into his own as an all-star level of player until 13 14 it was a very low level of all-star the argument about for him is more about how well he scaled and his defensive chops his shooting off the ball was a solid penetrator earlier in the decade that dropped off had a lot of playoff failures during the DeRozan years but obviously was very good in the playoffs last year um and what did win a championship to, to bolster his resume didn't quite have a high enough peak for me to put him in there though I was similar I had him in the conversation but did not have him on my on my third team yeah another tough omission to me was Damian Lillard Lillard to me great durability did miss the first three years of the decade though was drafted in 2012 and also has really fallen off in the playoffs uh more than i think people realize he did have that unbelievable series against okc but other than that really has not been that much of a force in the playoffs and yeah a lot of regular season value to be sure he frankly keeps getting better and better in the regular season but i had him essentially kind of tied in terms of value with Kyrie Irving who came in a year earlier than him so this is or, interesting no for, no no I'm, yeah, this ahead, is going to be interesting for me because I thought that splitting it was splitting hairs between the two just like it has been in the top 10 players for like the last four years when we've been doing yeah. it yeah but yeah. I ended up having both of them my third team. So now I get to see who you have over both of them. Yeah, yeah. So, but Kyrie to me, I had over Lillard just because he's been better in the playoffs. And, you know, he's had some disappointment, certainly. And the early part of his career, he just was really bad defensively. But so was Lillard. You know, Lillard is certainly a better teammate. Well, and but that teammate he... stuff is actually part of why I put Lillard over Kyrie. Also, I mean, Kyrie got the benefit to prove it in the finals. But if Damian Lillard had gotten to play with LeBron James, he probably would have too. So, yeah, maybe so. But, and I do think also, though, like Kyrie did not fall off statistically in the playoffs the way Lillard did and again you know he's playing with LeBron a lot of those years but you know there's certainly an argument that Kyrie's ISO game travels a, a little bit better than Lillard in the playoffs um so the other guy who was on my third team was Clay Thompson totally fair yeah I mean Thompson has a kind of like Draymond Green not surprisingly has a challenging resume because his role is so different from one of these. I mean, defensive value brings it a lot, you know, kind of has that Chris Paul part of the argument. And, yeah. And yeah, Clay. But, but brings the most defensive value of any guard we've been talking about. Absolutely. I, I'd say even maybe more than Chris Paul, though Paul is obviously excellent too. Well, I mean, because because Clay Thompson, I mean, is what underrated part of what made the Warriors system work was not only that they could really switch one to five, but also that Clay Thompson could guard almost everyone in the league. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. That makes so much of what they do work. And Thompson, I think there is a more compelling argument for him than most that his I mean, let's put it, counting stats were hurt by the circumstance. I mean, his efficiency numbers, I mean, you, you can't get much better than being one of the best catch-and-shoot guys ever and getting a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities. But, you know, his usage could have been very different on a different team. And we got to see that at limited portions of time. Like, I thought he was wonderful in the 2016 part of the playoffs when Steph Curry was hurt. Um, so yeah, I seriously considered Clay and, uh, I mean, I, the, you don't need to sell me too much on the argument. I just had him slightly outside to me. I had Clay and Wade as the toughest omissions here, but one other guy that I want to mention, you can get more into the Clay case if you want, was Mike Conley. Yeah. I mean, Conley, I, I just, I'm a big fan of his game. I thought that, you know, he's kind to me, he's kind of at the same level as, as Lowry overall, where, you know, never quite got over the edge as being like a real, like a top 10 player in the league, but was a, a, a competent and better than that Stewart who could compete enough on the other end and so yeah you could you could i i saw those guys as kind of in the same level so i wanted to make sure he got mentioned yeah i think Conley, it really took a while to come into his own number one and, and just didn't have the high enough peak also uh had a couple of seasons where that he missed uh, essentially as well so yeah I, I i he didn't show up on my search because i filtered it by two-time all-stars <laughs> ouch and he hasn't made an all-star team so oh um, poor guy yeah i mean i would probably even have like kobe above uh mike conley um so yeah the case for clay certainly not a primary creator like this you know the defensive value is awesome but he just plays really well with everyone else and you know ben again i reference him so often here but he, he's made this point a number of times that are you more likely to win a championship if you have clay thompson on your team or if you have, I don't know, Carmelo Anthony or even someone like Lillard, someone who is your primary scorer, that's his role. But then if you pair him with other great players, maybe his value is reduced. He can't play that number two role. And maybe he's not good enough to be a championship level a number one great player, though he was. Whereas Clay, you get him on your team. Now you have a great number two. And if you get that number one, who's pretty good, maybe he can boost the value of that number one, who's better as a, a primary scorer and initiator because he can defend, because he can move off the ball, because he can shoot so well off the ball, because he can have these games where he just completely goes off. But then even when he's not hitting shots, he still has value. So that's a, a nod to the scalability. Also worth noting too that Clay, I mean, he he was drafted in 2011, but really after his second year, he was in the playoffs every year he's still providing value even those first couple of years obviously before Kirk came in he wasn't at the same level in the regular season but also you know, very lot, durable yeah extremely durable obviously until tearing his ACL on this last minute of the decade which was a bummer um so that's why I went with him but I think you have good argument for Lillard or Wade uh but yeah I had Thompson and Irving on my third team Harden and Westbrook second team Steph Curry Chris Paul on my first team you were who Curry Harden one Paul Westbrook two Lillard Kyrie three okay let's do MVP of the decade LeBron James is number one it's not even close made eight trade finals best PR in the playoffs of the decade by four points uh just yeah, there's nobody close he also was at the he was playing at an mvp level at the start of the decade as well yeah i mean it, it's just he, he's been the best player in the league for probably eight of the 10 seasons in the decade when you count like playoff value as well yeah i don't think there's really any argument and then for me the next choice what came down to former teammates steph curry versus kevin durant and 
there are very sound arguments to me for each one of them. Curry, the offensive peak, you know, the guy with the ball in his hands for some of the best and definitive offenses of this decade, both with and without Kevin Durant. Um, But I ended up going with KD over Steph, partially because of playoff performance not you know curry you talked about the true shooting but durant being able to kind of get his even against bigger opponents you know get hit some big shots but also because even though neither one of them is a perfect defensive player durant had had more to up his game there and curry like the best thing you could say usually about his defensive game was that he wasn't as big of a weak point as as you kind of could have thought given his size and everything else durant could be a real strength and i thought that he had some strong moments both with the thunder and with the Warriors defensively. And so I ended up going LeBron one, KD two, Steph three. Yeah, it was really tough for me. You'd think that with Curry and his injury issues that KD would have played a lot more minutes. Not necessarily the case. Only about 1,800 more minutes in the regular season for KD than Curry. Certainly the early part of the decade belongs to KD and Curry just was not playing at an all-star level the first three years. KD was and he was playing some of the most minutes in the league. You mentioned how he was like second in MVP, perhaps deservedly so, three times before being winning that MVP in 14. But then KD did miss two full playoffs essentially and essentially one full season as well um I, the 19 playoffs obviously the the calf and then the torn achilles at the end and 14 15 he had the jones fracture that basically cost him uh, the whole year both players have seen a little bit of drop-offs in the playoffs also worth noting that steph had three years that were really impacted by injury in the playoffs 12 13 he was awesome and they might have beaten san antonio if he doesn't sprain his ankle i think it was the either in game three or game four of that series and then he basically is a shell of himself after that 15 16 curry again is impacted uh, doesn't have nearly the effect misses some time in the playoffs 17 18 he's got the torn mcl doesn't come back until the second round really in that houston series didn't find it until the very end of that series Uh, that's another thing that people forget about that that, that's in addition to the iguodala injury steph had just missed two months and came back in the middle of the playoffs it was really pretty impressive actually that he was able to come back from these severe injuries in the playoffs but he also suffered those injuries speaking of that hurts his value curry at the higher peak 15 16 still maybe the greatest offensive season that anyone has ever had during the regular season kd struggles early in the playoffs in his okc years in part because a lot of the talent around him he was able to raise his game in the playoffs during his warriors tenure but that's because he had more more talent around him so i don't want to say necessarily that his early failures in the playoffs were his fault it, it might have more been just the case of, of the talent around him and the lack of system and westbrook and no shooting etc um so i don't think there's anything particularly uh bad about either of their games that's going to reduce their effectiveness in the playoffs maybe if you go up against really the best defenses you can switch against stuff that doesn't work as well against kd so i ultimately i I know i've rambled on for a long time here but this was really difficult finally went with kd also just a little bit more longevity a little more defensive value um and curry was better during the regular season when they were together on the warriors kd was probably better in the playoffs um so ultimately had to go with him then from there for me so i thought of this more as player of the decade rather than most valuable and that that distinction becomes important here because my next choice was really between Kawhi Leonard and James Harden and I ended up you know I was I was torn for part the early part of it when I was thinking about it I was torn because Harden has this amazing regular season resume four years as either the best or second best regular season player in the league but first of all 
overall, Kawhi, to me, one of the key things, Kawhi being what I called the permanent best player in 16-17, I think that's an important part of this conversation, but also Kawhi's playoff performance. I mean, he, it's very, you could argue, I mean, that Kawhi's 2019 playoffs is is kind of the piece de resistance here because he was the player in the playoffs that Harden never has been. And it, he wasn't, Kawhi wasn't perfect defensively, but he had that gigantic series against Giannis and Kawhi was able to get to the basket. He was able to get his shots in the mid-range, wherever they were. And Harden has never quite done that. And so for me, once I really started to think about it and they both had different circumstances, both both these guys had big performances on multiple different franchises during this decade, which I thought was kind of cool. I ended up going with Kawhi over Harden. Now, that was a harder choice probably for me than for you because you already had Harden move down. But that was that was for me what was the next step. Yeah, I think Kawhi was uh, my number four also. I, I just think if you really look at this decade, Kawhi, even though James Harden has a little bit more durability, remember Kawhi missed all of 17-18. He missed the conclusion of the playoffs in 17. He was a role player really until 2015. Uh, although, again, I mean, I think Harden really until 11-12, it kind of doesn't really get any credit up until then anyway for what he was doing. He was, just wasn't that good. So they, you're kind of... for. The these purposes they're kind of both starting their career at the same time but i still think if you just started this decade with the performance of Kawhi versus the performance of harden i think you probably win more championships with Kawhi on your team than with harden so i think that that ultimately breaks it for me and, and i still had paul over harden for the same reasons we talked about uh, or at least i talked about when i put paul at first team over james harden but again that was excruciating and i certainly would understand having any of those guys at, at the number four position and then i think there's just a massive drop off beyond those six guys yeah i probably would have it would have been i guess ad and westbrook probably for my next spot but i didn't i didn't think that far i was fortunate that it was a top five yeah i mean and, and really to me it's crazy to think about this but there weren't that many championship teams lebron james kd curry and Kawhi are really the only players you can look at this decade where you're like this is the best player on a championship team there nobody else has really played at that level in the playoffs all decade oh i guess dirk would be the other one um and you could maybe make an argument for wade in 09 yeah, 10 yeah at the very and i guess you know kobe uh you know he was the best oh yeah kobe in 09 10 in 09 10 but then he, even after that i think he he dropped off he had he did have a great playoffs in 09 10 other than you know he's remembered for that six of 24 in game seven um and he ironically had his best games in that finals in losses um but then that that we talked about that series against the suns earlier um in 09 10 and had some massive games earlier in those playoffs as well i think they played against the jazz and he absolutely destroyed them in that series so um yeah i mean i guess if you're gonna say played at, at that type of a level for more than maybe two years though you know these are the four guys well and it's also kind of remarkable how those four guys did it over a longer period of time too like we talked about how it, nobody else even really got there in in spurts well why. yeah i mean that's just the vagaries of when the decade started though sure sure but i mean lebron was there the whole time curry was there for a long time kd was there for a long time even though they didn't he didn't make a finals you know i guess he made it in 12 yeah but yeah i mean the, they were all fantastic i mean even Kawhi, yeah the finals mvp overstates it the first finals mvp is a little bit different but i mean he was at that level 16 17 i mean Kawhi, that Kawhi could have been the best player in a championship team no questions asked 
I keep thinking that these are going to be like simple podcasts and then <laughs> we just like we just get going and oh, it's an hour and 20 minutes later. <laughs> um, all right. So we got some interesting stuff coming up here. Danny is actually uh, on some vacation here, uh, taking a little break. So I have a fun hodgepodge of guests coming up over the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, also, don't forget about the NBA cast this week. It's on Thursday. Might be doing a solo one or maybe maybe I'll be able to finagle a guest. We'll see. But that's going to be Philly at Boston. Should be a fun one uh, on Thursday night at, at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. And also a Hollinger Duncan should be out. Uh, subscribe to that if for some crazy reason you haven't already. Search Hollinger in Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast player is to find it. And we'll talk to you later this week. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.